So today we have the solemnity of the, of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. We're able to profit from the Feast of the Sacred Heart that took place this past Friday by solemnizing it at one of our Masses here uh, on the Sunday. The Epistle for the Feast of the Sacred Heart is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Brethren, to me, the least of all the saints, is given this grace to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to enlighten all men that they may see what is the dispensation of the mystery which has been hidden from eternity in God who created all things, that the manifold wisdom of God may be made known to the principalities and powers in heavenly places through the church according to the eternal purpose which he made in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom all paternity in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened by his Spirit with might unto the inward man, that Christ may dwell by faith in your hearts, that being rooted and founded in charity, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, to know also the charity of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 19th chapter of the gospel of St. John. At that time, the Jews, because it was the parachief, that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, for that was a great Sabbath day, they besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. The soldiers therefore came, and they broke the legs of the first and of the other that was crucified with him. But after they were come to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear opened his side, and immediately there came out blood and water. And he that saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he says true, that you also may believe. For these things were done, that the scripture might be fulfilled. You shall not break a bone of him. And again, another scripture says, They shall look on him whom they pierced. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear reverend fathers, dear faithful, Adam, by his original sin, inflicted a grave wound upon our human nature. This wound causes our bodies to die and causes our souls to sin. And unfortunately, Adam, while he had the ability to inflict the wound, he did not have the ability to heal the wound. He was not a doctor. So he couldn't go in with surgical instruments and somehow fix our human nature. And this is what made necessary the coming of some physician who had sufficient power in order to kind of suture that gaping hole, that, that bleeding wound that Adam inflicted upon our human nature. Someone who necessarily will be divine because no one, no mere human being, certainly none of us who are sons of uh, and daughters of Adam and Eve. Certainly none of us have that, that power of the doctor to heal human nature. 
Only someone who is divine has the power to save both our bodies and our souls from the death inflicted upon them by Adam and Eve. And the church has, has taught us that particularly during the month of June, we want to fix our eyes upon the divine physician sent by God himself, the incarnate God, the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that, well, when we speak of the sacred heart, we're talking about a really existing heart. There is a heart like unto our hearts, shaped like our, heart, our own hearts, that is beating in a body. But this, this heart and this body is united to the divinity of the second person of the Blessed Trinity. And that heart is, is a symbol of the love of our Lord Jesus Christ for us. How do we know that he loves us? Or perhaps we could ask how much love is contained in that heart. We know that the litany of the sacred heart says that it is an abyss. The heart is an abyss of love. How do we know this? Well, if you think about anybody who wants to remedy the misery of someone else, one thing that's necessary besides the power to heal, they must not only have the power to heal, they must also be possessed of love. They must desire to heal the misery of others. And when we come to the Sacred Heart, what we must understand about our Lord is that he has the desire to heal the misery of every single one of you, and not just you, but every single person that has ever entered to this, into this world or will ever come into this world. There's a scope for the action of, our love, of the love of our Lord that is so great that it sort of encompasses all human beings who descend from Adam and Eve. In other words, all human beings. The Sacred Heart wants to heal us. He wants to fix all of our miseries, every single one. And to do this, his heart must be an abyss of all love. And the main thing that I want to point out today is the different manner in which the Sacred Heart goes about fixing our bodies as opposed to fixing our souls. As you can tell in the Gospels, when you read the Gospels. It's very striking. It's very beautiful in the Gospels. If you, if you do just read about these scenes, not only when he's healing individual people, but those times when there's just whole crowds of people that are brought to him in order to be healed by him. There's this one, one, one example of such a scene is, is in Luke chapter 4. Here's just the brief description given by St. Luke. He says, When the sun was setting, all who had persons who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands upon each of them and cured them. You just imagine this, this scene. If you were there as a witness. It's like you have this hospital just completely full of sick people. They got people with cancer. You got people with COVID. You got people with heart disease. You got people who are crippled. You got people who are blind. You got people who are deaf. And someone says, let's just empty the hospital. There's this man out there who has the ability to heal all diseases. 
And they just empty the whole hospital. There's like hundreds of people in a line. And our Lord just goes to each one of them and heals them one by one. How does he do it? He just goes up to them and he just imposes his hands upon them. In other words, he doesn't, he doesn't use medicine. He doesn't use surgery. He doesn't prescribe a diet. He just uses his raw divine power. He doesn't even touch the place of the disease. He just uses his hands. He just takes his hands and imposes his hands on top of their heads. And that heals their whole body. The whole body is immediately made whole by the touch of the sacred heart. Our Lord heals bodies through power, his divine power. That's how he's going to heal your body. Your body's going to fall apart. My body's going to fall apart. We're going to be buried. We're going to rot. And there's nothing we can do about that. But one day, he will summon us from the cemetery. He will cause our bodies to be revived into life once more. And it will take place solely through his divine power, just through him exercising that raw power upon us, he will give life back to our bodies. This is how the Sacred Heart goes about healing bodies in the Gospels. How does he go about healing souls? Is it a question of raw power? Well, it's not. It's not. I think the first thing we have to consider is what does our Lord have to heal? What is that, that main disease that afflicts Every single one of us, if we, if we scrape through all the symptoms of all of our sins and we, and we get to the very depth of the cancer that eats away at our soul, that genetic defect that we receive from Adam, what do we find that needs to be healed? It is our pride. It is our pride. That is at the root of every single thing that we do, that is offensive to God, and it tears down the life of our soul. It's pride that makes us blind to our own faults. It's pride that makes us so sensitive and so angry with others. It's pride that makes us seek unlawful pleasures in the most selfish ways, taking advantage of, of other people. It's pride that makes us seek for praise or seeks to seek to avoid discomfort that we need to experience or to be inconsiderate. Pride is at the root of all of our problems. It is that ugly, smelly, gangrenous disease that is rampant in the souls of all of us, but yet at the same time is so hidden. It's the true, quote-unquote, invisible enemy that is ravaging the human race. It's not COVID. It's the wound of pride that comes from our first parents. That's what's really destroying the human race. And so when, when the divine physician comes on this, on this earth, he has to consider, how am I going to heal the souls of these prideful sons and daughters of Adam and Eve? How do I fix these souls. What sort of incarnation must I have 
in order to heal them? What sort of human nature must I design for myself in order to heal these souls? Because I want to relieve their miseries. And the biggest misery that they have is that pride. I think we all know, we all know what the antidote to pride is. The only solution to pride is humility. And this explains why our Lord crafted for himself a meek and humble heart from the immaculate heart of Our Lady. He wanted, he explicitly designed a meek and humble heart for himself. He planned that his heart be formed from the most humble heart of Our Lady. And he lived his life completely according to the beatings of such a heart. And there are a million examples of this from his humble birth in the cave of Bethlehem, from him fleeing from Herod to Egypt, from the humiliating death he experienced in the front of thousands on the hill outside of Jerusalem. But what I really want to focus upon is just one scene from the gospel. It's actually the gospel for the third Sunday of Pentecost today, where there, there's all these publicans and sinners, and they approach our Lord. And our Lord not only receives them, but he even sits down with them at table, and he has a meal with them. And then you have the Pharisees come up, and the Pharisees are like, what are you doing? You're eating with sinners. Consider these religious leaders, the Pharisees, what kind of physicians they are. Consider if you had a doctor like that who would, who would walk up to you and he's like, oh, you've got, you've got a cut on your arm or your leg is broken. You know, get away from me. Don't come near me. Our Lord is, is such a contrast to the religious leaders of his day who, by the way, were completely immune to the healing he brought. If there's anybody who could not be healed, even by God himself, it was the Pharisees who were supposed to be the physicians for the souls of, of the Jewish people. They could not be healed because of the disease. The disease was so rampant in them. The disease of pride was so rampant in them. They were immune even to the healing of the infinite God. Our Lord, in order to try to, to, to fix that pride of the Pharisees, he tells a parable. He says, first of all, which of you, if you were a shepherd and one of your sheep goes astray, one of your sheep leaves the flock, one of your sheep falls into sin, which of you would not wander all throughout the desert and look for that sheep? And when you find the sheep, what's going to happen when the shepherd finds the sheep? He's going to bend down. He's actually going to stoop down and grab the sheep. And able to humble himself to the level of that sheep. And then he's going to place that sheep on his shoulders and carry it back. Which of you, if, if a woman loses a drachma in her house, what is she going to need to do? She's going to turn her house upside down. You have this, this image of a woman is like on all fours. She's like crawling all throughout her house. She's crawling under the tables. You know, she's getting down low because the coin is on the ground. She's getting down low. And she's crawling all throughout until she finally founds, finds that coin. 
And when, when she finds it, she's so happy. She rejoices. So too, the good shepherd, when a sinner is brought back, our Lord says, all of heaven rejoices when a sinner is brought back. But humility, the humility is necessary in order to bring the sinner back. There's no way it's going to take place otherwise. So that humility of Christ is the remedy for the wound of pride afflicting our souls. Do we believe this? Do we want our souls to be healed? If so, we must be humble. We have to be humble, first of all, towards God, and then secondly, towards our fellow men. We know that the, the power of our Lord, the, if our Lord had come in pride and majesty, that would have healed no one. The, the power is just not effective to heal that wound of pride. Hopefully, the humility of our Lord, which, which as I say, he so wants to use as a means to heal you. He offers this to heal the pride of your soul. Hopefully, it conquers our hearts. Hopefully, it sweeps away all these misperceptions we have of God as some sort of tyrannical overlord who's waiting to find some means to damn us. Hopefully, it sweeps away all this lack of confidence we have that, that somehow our Lord doesn't care about our lives that he's not really going to take care of us. I can't really trust him. I have to take things into my own hands. That praying to him is not really going to be effective for uh, making sure that things um, happen in the way that they should in my own life. The humility of our Lord shows the path that we must take in order to cure our own souls. We must answer our Lord's humility with humility. Isn't it such a beautiful thing that we as Catholics alone, as Catholics, have this wonderful sacrament of confession? Confession truly heals you. Why does it heal you? Because you go in there with your pride, with your sins, with your misery. You kneel down. You accuse yourself. And the grace, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ washes your soul. And you walk away having been healed in your soul by your acts of humility. It truly heals you. This is the humility that you have to practice towards others. Do you want to have influence like the influence of our Lord over souls? Do you want to have that influence upon others, upon your children, upon your spouse, upon your coworkers? You have to use the same means as our Lord. It doesn't mean that you have to accompany others in sin, as they say today. It doesn't mean that you don't reprimand your children when they need to be reprimanded. It's not what we're talking about. Look at how the, our Lord speaks to the Pharisees. He's very harsh with the Pharisees. He's very frank and honest with the Pharisees about their faults. That's not what I'm talking about. What does it mean? Well, it means to practice humility. It means many things, but here's just a few of them. It means that you do not seek to speak about yourself. You're not looking for an opportunity to speak about yourself. It means that you, you are more than willing to admit your faults to others. You, you hasten to admit your faults. It means you remain silent when you're annoyed by your loved ones. If someone annoys you or inconveniences you, you just keep silence. It means that you let others have their way in unimportant things. If it doesn't matter, just surrender. Just let them have their way. 
It means that you're willing to accept correction. Someone tells you your faults, you take it, again, in silence. It means that you don't defend yourself when it's not necessary. So you're not always looking for strict justice for yourself. You can't resist. It's like every little jot and tittle defending your rights. Do you think that these things will actually be most beneficial for your soul and for those around you? You cannot outdo our Lord in the means that he has chosen in the, in the epistle for the, this, the Mass of the third Sunday after Pentecost, St. Peter, he says to us, Be humbled under the powerful hand of God, that he may exalt you in the time of his visitation. You are called to follow the path of the Sacred Heart, to make your hearts, like his own, more meek and humble, and so heal your souls and the souls of your loved ones. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.